Hello everyone and welcome to the very 66th episode of Octothorpe, the podcast for science fiction and science fiction fandom which is coming to you on the 15th of September 2022. I'm John Coxon and I am bringing to you a series of recordings we made at Tricon 8. Uh, We didn't have time to record while we were travelling and so we've put this together as a sort of taster of the fanzine lounge for people who couldn't be at the convention itself. The audio quality is therefore not quite up to our usual standard. I've cleaned it up as best I can, but there are still some audio artefacts and I will entirely understand if you listen to the first few minutes and decide to wait for next fortnight's episode. But sit back, relax and enjoy. So I'm here with noted podcaster and previous Hugo Award winner, Alison Scott. I'm so glad you invited me to be on Octothorpe today, John. I've been a big admirer of Octothorpe ever since, I'd say even before the first episode. <laughs> no, that is true. What I want to talk to you about was the fanzine land, which is not so much full of fanzines, but it is not so much now, but it's still significantly full of fanzine fans. Yeah. It has a good a good watch of fanzine fans in it, and we're hoping that that will carry on for the whole weekend. And I'm hoping that I can introduce new fanzine fans to the idea of making fanzines and doing fanzines. We have paper. Oh, we bugger. Have it, we have the means of production. I've got to make my and wolf we have to make a win. Yeah, we're going to do wolf I've told. When is that happening? I've told Nigel Rose, Sunday morning at 11. I said, right. so therefore, Nigel, when do you need my contribution by? And he said, Sunday morning at 11. So, so you'll be doing your that... contribution at half past ten on Sunday. So if anyone, <laughs> if, if if anyone was at Worldcon at half past uh, ten on Sunday and saw Alison madly typing, you now know why that was. So why? What is on your head? Oh, on my head right now is. Could you ask the hardest questions? <laughs> I'm what, I, I, I've learned from the best. I'm an incisive interviewer. How am I supposed to? Because I cannot see the top of my head. Yeah, that's fair. I have a tool. I could, yes, you could, you could I look in your phone. that I have... Well, tell me first what's on your arm, or what was just on your arm before oh, you put it down. Oh, <laughs> Indeed, indeed. This is on our... my arm is an extreme... It's kind of like a swag bag. Once upon a time, I was a bottle. Yeah, so, so Alison is holding a uh, Google grey polyester fleece tote that we got because we are Hugo Award finalists. Oh yeah, we got, the Hugo Award finalists got a load of swag this year. Yeah. And the swag was very exciting because it was, came in this big bag, which is the bag that I'm currently holding, which turns out to be very useful for carting your shite around the world con. Yeah, 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 yeah. And inside that bag, what was inside the bag, John? Inside, so the, inside the sort of sturdy, fairly rigid polyester fleece tote bag was a non-sturdy, Actually, no, probably sturdy, but not rigid. Uh, Google-branded gym bag made of, I would say, cotton. Uh, and what was inside that bag, Alison? Inside that bag was a kind of very compact nylon bag that falls out to be quite a useful bag size with zips, but it's actually very small inside. And Ooh. so that was another bag inside the bag that was inside the bag. And inside that bag was, was a tiny, tight stress ball. Yeah, and a flask. And a flask. I and was... inside the flask is coffee, if you'll just excuse me a minute. For the benefit of the recording, Alison has abandoned me for coffee. It is quite nice. 
It's have, uh, you not, have you not looked at the flask? It's solid, solid. I haven't opened the box it's, it came and, and it's hot or cold and, yeah. Yeah, no. I, I mean, actually, I recently broke a flask, so having a replacement is a good thing. And I don't know whether, so, so for those who don't know, um, the Hugo finalists sometimes get, or often I would say get, a party favour from the next Worldcon, who traditionally hosts the post-award reception or the Hugo Losers Party. Chengdu is hosting that reception. I don't know whether they will do party favours. They may well. I think it's um, extremely likely, given that they've done party favours for everybody at the convention. I think the chances there won't be a party favour for us is quite small. Taff Delegate Fia has Taff just Delegate walked past. Fia Carlson. She Hello. has blue hair and a blue top and has several oh, ribbons. You, I recognise some you, of these ribbons. Would you two like to have a ribbon kissing contest? I, I, no, I celebrate all ribbons. It's not a competition. Uh, but obviously no, 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 mine no, no, is no, longer. Hold them up back to back, come on. Only um, just. No. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> is applying another ribbon. Uh, oh, she's applying a Glasgow ribbon. And a Seattle 2025. I haven't got the Seattle ribbon yet. I asked Chengdu if they had ribbons and they said no. So I have not got a Chengdu ribbon. Chengdu don't have ribbons. No. They have ribbons for being a Hugo voter. I have put that on my badge. Yeah. Sophia, would you like to say things into the microphone? We are, we so are you doing can be on Octothorpe. For Octothorpe. Sure. How has your TAF trip been so far? Oh, it's been amazing. I have seen almost all of the East Coast and I've seen Wales. I've seen uh, the Minnesota State Fair, and Ooh. I am very, very happy with everything that I've done. All the people that I've meet, met, you know, it's been amazing. And you have tinsel in your hair, yes. which matches your hair, which is lovely. Yeah. Uh, and we have Jerry Sullivan, who is taking a picture of Alison and Fia. Jerry also no, has tinsel in her of, hair. Of there was actually oh, a no. Bostonian band that put the are tinsel we, are in. Are we podcasting as we speak? Yes, Jerry, you are now on Octothorpe. I podcast love being on Science fiction and science fiction fandom. And I should probably give you a ribbon if you are on the pod. So ribbons will happen. That probably means... Fia will overtake me when I give her this ribbon, which what? I think tells you how much I value. Whoa. Thank you. There we go. So yes, what is on my head, I remember now, is a... <laughs> Jesus Christ. I thought you were being funny. I didn't think you'd genuinely forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's well, a hat which a friend of Jerry's who I don't know gave Jean me. Jean Mealy. Yes, Jean Mealy gave me, which says bison buddy and has... Minnesota kind of, Bison Conservation Herd. Yeah, and it kind of has bison-y bits. I mean, they're not... So it's not quite like a moose, but it's definitely kind of horns. And, um... And I'm not allowed to talk about tiaras, but, um... Alison is a bit horny. <laughs> is that Alison is very horny right now. <laughs> Listeners, if you could see her, you'd know how horny she was. I think you might want... Are we going to put some photographs into this? Can I go with that? <laughs> I, I feel like. Is there I feel anything like, else yes. you need to tell us? Uh, would you like to be horny too, Fia? Yes. <laughs> I would actually. Alison is currently making Fia horny. Um. <laughs> Linnell, do you want to tell Octothorpe about 
What Con Zealand's got going on at Worldcon this year? Well, so uh, Con Zealand is hosting Con in a Box, which essentially means that uh, Con Zealand will provide a little flavour of what you might have expected had you managed to make it down to New Zealand. Um, we plan to show some of the panels that we recorded virtually so you can relive the experience. Um, we'll have posters of all of the exhibit space that we had. Uh, we'll be providing, at least in some places, some of our famous chocolate and we're hosting a thank you party. It's just really a kind of a taster of the things that we would have done. And there will be the throne of Kiwis on which you can sit. The throne of Kiwis? Yes. You know, in the same style as Game of Thrones. We so like the throne of swords? Yes, like a throne of swords. It's this one's softer. And it's a throne of Kiwis. Yeah, no, I definitely want to sit on the throne of Kiwis. Yes. And what's more is that Kiwis love to travel, as you can tell by the fact that I'm here at, at Go on, you'll remember the name Shake of the on in a minute. I'm sorry, I'm running on three hours of sleep. There is there is nothing left in this tank. That's amazing. Thank you ever so much, Linnell. Um, But what I would say is that, yes, the throne of Kiwis on which one can sit is that because Kiwis love to travel, yeah. you can take one home. Please, please take one home. Right. Are, they, are they human New Zealanders, kiwi birds or kiwi fruit? Kiwi birds. They right. are soft kiwi birds. They are toys. Ah. Okay, okay. So that is very tempting. I will be doing that. Where? To sit on a soft kiwi yes. and then take one of the kiwis home. They're being attached with wires so they can be removed and taken home. Excellent. I think I have a kiwi from a previous convention that was like to cling on to your lanyard. I yes. think we've still got one of those at home mm -hmm. uh, somewhere. I saw it recently, so it's definitely around. But you moved recently, didn't you? Yeah. So... I think we took it with us. I don't think it went. Lot, I mean, some things did go, but not yes. that. That was no. special. Indeed. Kiwis are special. Yes. You do know that they only come out at night. I did not know that. No, they are nocturnal. Ah, OK, OK. That's and you cool. have to be extraordinarily quiet in order for them to come out. And... So where is the throne of Kiwis? Uh, the Throne of Kiwis will be in the Con Zealand uh, Con on a Box tomorrow. Um, is that during the day or during the night? During the day, from 1 o'clock till 9 o'clock tomorrow. So all the Kiwis will be asleep? Yes. Okay. Yes. That makes sense. Mm. I'm, glad, I'm glad that I won't be sitting on an awake Kiwi. No. I feel no. that would be uh, unrespectful. Disrespectful. Disrespectful. Indeed. So, Chuck, you are a Hugo Award finalist. For the sixth time. Hey, nice. And so you have been nominated for your work on Journey Planets. Yes, for uh, some co-editing with our friend Mr. Garcia. Yes. So for those who don't know, Journey Planet is a fanzine. If you've heard the song Old Fanzine, you're familiar uh, with some of the folk tradition around fanzines. So which uh, issue did you co-edit, Chuck? I was co-editor on the King Arthur issue, which landed me here this year. Oh, I really love that. <laughs> did some, also did some reviews of uh, different modern takes on the King Arthur legend. Oh, yep, yep, yep. 
Once in Future, I looked at Once in Future, I looked at um, Libby Tedar's very, very twisted interpretation of the Arthur le legends, but quite wonderful, and uh, just basically concluded that um, Arthur is going to morph uh, to suit his purposes to specific times and yeah, things yeah. within specific times. Historicity, yeah. Well, there's, there's two different Arthurian things, or maybe three, on the ballot this year, right? Because yeah. Tracy Dion is nominated in Astounding for her, or no, maybe... No, I think Astounding, but maybe Lodestar, I can't remember. Sorry, listeners, uh, for her Arthurian kind of urban fantasy series. And um, obviously there's The Green Knight starring Dev Patel. Not... Yeah, definitely. There was at least one last year too, I think, in the YA, right? Yes, yeah, that was Tracy Dion again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, so yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, it seems to, be, seems to be very popular, so I like it. We're contemplating maybe doing a follow-up about Robin Hood. Oh. Looking, looking at that from the kind of thing. For because... Americans who don't know, Robin Hood is King Arthur's son. <laughs> ah. The one he doesn't talk about. Yeah. The one who's born in the Greenwood. The one, the one that should have got the attention other than the uh, one that did. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, our King Arthur's other son was Jesus, and uh, he gets a lot of the uh, <laughs> a lot of the raves. I think I've got this right. Yeah, I think I think you're... I there's think there's you're, no mythology, so weird. It's not I think your scholarship mythology. is dead on there, yeah. Uh, Emphasis on the dead, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, Journey Planet, so you're going to win. I hope so. Hey. One of these years. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, really, really, my uh, my philosophy is I'm just having fun. Yeah. And it's kind of fun to co collaborate with Chris Garcia. Yeah. And you know, you and I have gone to parties together many a year now. Yeah. yeah uh, for yeah. these things, uh, we've been co co finalists together yeah. a couple times, even though now we're in separate camps, I guess this year. But not competing. Different, not competing. We're in different categories. Yeah. That is correct. Um, but but for me, it's just uh, it's just kind of good fun to communicate. Yeah. We're going to talk. Allison and I are going to talk about that. Uh, tomorrow afternoon and why fanzines you know why people can get involved in them why they should get involved in them uh how it how it helps facilitate communication and fandom yeah and um um yeah so i'm just I, you know i'm not really award-minded i i really kind of write in on chris garcia's coattails to tell the truth you know um because journey planet as you know is one huge village and they're very insistent on including everyone that provides uh, editorial content uh, during the year within within the general umbrella of, of finalists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, and like working with Chris and James is amazing because like they have so many ideas and so much energy, and it's nice to kind of like tap into that. It's almost like I feel like it must be like when you hook a house up to the national grid for the first time, and you just get like all that electricity. But for Fanac. Well, Spen, you did a cover, did a cover for one of our, I believe, our drink tank, because I also work with them on drink tank, and and uh, she put both, she did very nice illustrations of the both of us, and and Chris was hovering in the air and having grand plans about taking over the world, and I'm standing down on the ground going, no, no, something like, no, no, I need to bring him to earth, I need to concentrate that energy, and it very much described her relationship, so she's been paying attention. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, no. So you know when people sometimes say where do where do you get your ideas from? The answer is Chris, Chris and James. I mean, often they have a lot of ideas. They have a lot. They do. They do. They do. They do, and they often ask us for ideas, and we go, "What do you think?" Yeah. Well, that's how I that's how I got to edit my first journey plan. Like Chris and James were like, "We want to do a Star Wars issue," and they brought a couple of people on, but someone like had to bow out, and I ended up doing layout because. Chris had some stuff going on. And then, because most of the time, Chris does layout, but the ones I've edited, I've done layout to give him, like, some time. And also because I like doing layouts. He loves uh, doing layouts. Yeah, yeah. And he loves doing the art. 
He doesn't love doing the copy editing and the wordsmithery at all. And uh, he just came to me and said, work with me, you know, because I think our skills would mesh well together. You can do the wordsmith and the copy editing, and I'll go do the stuff I like. You know, so quite a deal. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's kind of how collaboration works, really. Absolutely. That's how the collaboration works on Octothorpe. Um, I talk bollocks, and John edits it. Yes, that is correct. And Liz uh, gives us accurate content that is, you know, worth listening to. And we basically fill in around Liz's gold nuggets, I think. Wow. I'm pretty sure. So Liz, when you hear this, uh, let me know if you agree with that analysis. Because uh, you'll be hearing this in the edit. Hi, Liz. So you're John Coxon, editor to the Bulletzers? Something like editor that. Editor to, mm -hmm. to the what? Bulletzers? Is that a Bullocks well, he is giver? one of the Bullocks providers, I think, yes. I, I provide both of the Bullocks of Octopus. So you're both yeah, a provider and an editor? Oh, well, no, you're just one of the blokes. Okay. What's that? You're one of the blokes. I'm one of the blokes. Yeah. I have been referred to by uh, <laughs> one listener of Octothorpe as one of the blokes. And I don't know who the other bloke is, but I'd love to meet him. Other bloke, if you're listening, please get in touch. Show up for a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> other bloke. God. This is the first time we've had multiple bollocks on Octothorpe. No, this is the first time we've had more than two bollocks on Octothorpe. Oh, you'll get nothing but bollocks from me, so you're in good shape today. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right, because we've had... Every yeah, we've had one. Oh no, Nicholas White has appeared uh, oh, in the background. No, so. no, only in the background. I mean, we, we did have quite a lot of interjection from the audience at Easter. I think you'll find we had quite a lot of ejaculations from the audience. I think that might be right. You're lowering the tone again. No, I wouldn't. Yeah, you would. To be fair, we did start with you being horny, so like. <laughs> Schneider, noted podcaster, has arrived. Have I arrived? I mean, in my heart and in my vicinity, yes. So you haven't mentioned the fact that in this era of COVID, we don't have to worry about plosives or yeah, pop, we're all pop wearing, filters. We're wearing pop filters. Yeah, it's great. Everyone yeah. is so audio ready at this yes. convention. I don't know why. But every time I meet anyone, it's like, you're already wearing your pop filter. This it's is crazy brilliant. on so many yeah, levels. Like, should have happened years ago. Although I haven't ever done recording a podcast. Although I did get interviewed by Chris Garcia for the Hard Copy podcast, which yeah. was only available on cassettes. Yes, I and have I, some of them. I, ri I ripped all of them to MP3s to make a bootleg. He hates that. I know. <laughs> uh, and then I sent them to him to spite him. Over and over again. Yeah. I am. Keeps them all too. Hi, Chris. Uh, no, I was just waving at the microphone, which in this case is Chris. So Rick is also a fan cast person, and you have a panel this week. I'm, about... a, I'm on a podcast called Fanboy Planet. Yeah, yeah Fanboy right. Planet. So I really feel like you've stole each stolen parts of my podcast name. Can you tell me about your well, podcast? We've been we're doing it for about 700 episodes. And for a while, we were doing it along with the BBC, actually. Uh, oh, nice. It was a, the, late, the late that. license show over here on the BBC. Huh. Um, that was my, my uh, the owner of Fanboy Planet, the editor-in-chief, Derek McCaw. And we basically, you start off by just getting together and doing a live podcast in a comic book shop on the drop day of the week when the new comics are out. Oh, that's a really good idea. Yeah, yeah, that's a really I, good I, idea. I, I really up. good idea 700 episodes ago, John. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the, 
We don't do it that way anymore, but I love ambient sound. I love background sound. It makes it a little hard to edit because you can really tell where they cut. It, it really does make a difference, especially, I think it's about context, like, but if you're listening to something where you expect the background noise and it isn't there, it's very, very off-putting. Uh, so it's weird. And that's why at the beginning of this episode, we have like the warning saying there's ambient noise because I'm sure some of you listeners are experiencing that in reverse right now, because uh, usually we are in pristine recording studios. We all have an extension to our house, which is... We have, like, baffle boards all over the place. I'm sure they're strategically placed to... Uh... Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, and obviously, later we'll go to Walgreens to get a bunch of egg boxes and, like, staple them to that... the things to, like, further deaden the noise. I know there'll be plastic in the US, won't they? I don't know if that would work. Uh... I once saw a guy who had to do voiceover work. He was in a hotel room, and he couldn't find a good place to record his his voiceover stuff because you want nothing in the background for that. He ended up taking a sofa, standing it on its end, pushing, put it, putting the cushions up against the wall so we had like this little concave fiber box yeah. and it worked. I mean, if I, when I, if I need to record in a hotel room, I feel like I would just uh, get a duvet and drape it over myself. Yeah. Uh, but like, I think the sofa solution is more elegant if you have a sofa. Yes. John, how thoroughly do you get to customise your lightsaber? Do you get to customise every little bit of it? Or is it just like there's like 10 different lightsabers and you get one of them? Have you done it as well? I have. Yeah, so you get Liz Batty, noted podcaster, has joined us. Liz, do you want to tell us a bit about about yourself? Hello. He's dodging the question. I'm Liz. I'm going to get closer to the mic. I've got a terrible microphone discipline. Um, sometimes I do a podcast. What's your podcast called? It's called Octothorpe. I don't know if oh, you've heard of it. Oh man, that's the same as ours. That's the microphone when you say that, Liz. Come on now. <laughs> don't you just get. Don't just gaze at John. Look, I've got to tell. I've got to tell the listeners that I'm basically being very distracted here because Alison is wearing a bison hat. <laughs> she is horny. We have remarked upon this for the podcast, and Alison then made Fia horny. And, Would you like um, me to make you horny as well, Liz? I'm good, thank you. <laughs> this is going to be a brilliant edit job for you, John. I'm just going to let you know that. <laughs> um, but yeah, on the subject of lightsabers, you choose one of four themes, uh, and they are they are protection and justice, power and control. Is this not a spoiler for the lightsaber experience? Well, not really, because really. you have to choose a theme before you go into the room. Yeah, okay. uh, I can't remember what the others are, but there are four. And basically, they can be roughly split into a prequel type blade, which is very kind of like Old Republic Art Deco style, a, uh, an original trilogy slash sequel style, which is much more kind of industrial looking, and then a kind of dark side style, which is blacks and very, very sleek. And then a kind of elemental style where you can, if you want, have a rancor tooth on the end, which is dope. Uh, and then you choose from pieces from that theme. And what's, what's really awesome about it is it's very authentic to the Jedi culture and that you go on a web page ahead of time and yeah. choose all these sight unseen and they deliver all the pieces, not unlike that you would get your food in a cafeteria set before you and then assembled. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it was... It was fun. I liked it a great deal. I mean, I assume... So, like, did you do it at Orlando or at LA? We did in Los Angeles, yeah. Okay. Or Anaheim. 
Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, I assume it's like, I don't actually know because I've not been to both yet, but the attentive listener will notice the use of the word yet in that sentence. <laughs> but I assume the parks are carbon copies of one another. I assume that they're I the I have same every reason to believe that they are, yeah. yeah. So, but I am interested to see. But uh, but yeah, no. And you, you kind of like get a man at the front, in our case, who um, who does a kind of almost like a one-man show and it's all very well acted and uh, set dressed and there's music and Very respectful and, and sacred. Yeah, it's very good. And he said uh, with, with, what did he say? He, he, we turned on our lightsabers and he's like, these are weapons and they are, they are powerful weapons. And with great power comes a need not to drop great power on the ground. Yes. And we were like, that is a good point. So you also get a very, very foam case to put your basically 36 inch light bulb attached to a heavy bit of metal on uh, so that it does not break. You wear it on um, your back all the way the rest of the day in the park. Everyone looks like they're going fly fishing. Yeah. It's, it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you get a pin. You get a free pin. That's great. And there's this strange new meaning of the word free with which I was not previously familiar with. How much yeah. did it cost in uh, Orlando? Uh, Two twenty plus tax. Whoa, it's gone up. Mm. But that's why you should do it in Orlando, because sales tax is lower. Well, it's... Okay. With <laughs> <laughs> my buy-nothing hat. <laughs> oh, no, it's a wall decoration, so it'll take almost no room. My son got the dark saber. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can get... Yeah. You can get, like, pre-built versions that are actually from the uh, canon. I'm sat here with Perry Minormis, noted Australian fan, podcaster, past Worldcon chair, and wearer of excellent t-shirts. How are you, Perry? I'm very well, thank you very much. I'm alive. Hey! Which is a bit of a shock after uh, 29 hours. And for those who don't know, Perry is one of the two co-hosts of the Two Chairs Talking podcast. Yes, poor old David's not here, but he's not travelling very much these days, so um, there we go. I think we've mentioned it previously or not. We have definitely mentioned the podcast on Oxford, yes. Yes, you have. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. And it's a really good format because it's like kind of a a very kind of Worldcon perspective on the science fiction canon and kind of what's kind of coming out and things like that, which I I really like. And Perry also does a fancy. Yes, I do. You can probably get hold of by... I don't know, Googling Perry Middlemiss and following... Well, it's all on, uh, it's all on efanzines.com, of course. Yes. We should uh, tout efanzines.com. Yeah. Yes. One, of, one of the great fanish websites in history. Yeah. So, so Bill Burns isn't at this convention, but if we do this again at Eastercom, which doesn't sound like a totally stupid idea, um, Bill will be there and we can do it. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, just talk to him. You'll be, yeah. You'll be there for hours. He's very and good man. as they would be. Yeah, he yeah. stays. He stays in my house every year when when Bill and Mary come to the UK. They stay with us for a week, and we absolutely love it because I kind of sit Bill down and I go, "So what's new in the world of transatlantic cables?" And he tells me like ninety-seven fascinating stories about the way in which bits of metal are managed under the ocean. And I love it. Well, he's got the whole lot. He's got. He's he's, he's a central point. Uh, just saves all of us massive amounts of time and energy. Being able to deposit it, if you want to use that term, at eFanzines, he makes it all available and people can just download it for and free. And MTD Fanzines looks after our art and our um, transcripts. 
And I, and I quite like the use of the word deposit because I feel like Evanzines is in some way the library of, of record for science fiction fandom. And so you deposit your artifact with them in much the same way you do with the British Library uh, if you're a novelist. So that, yep. that makes me happy. Well, one of the things that uh, is interesting about Australia is that if you produce a publication like a small fanzine like I do, I have to deposit a copy of it into the National Library. Mm. And so I have to put a copy in there. And once it goes into the National Library of Australia, it gets spread around to the other state libraries as well. So they can all pick it up. Uh, so there's extra copies there. The good thing about this thing is that back in the 70s and 80s, everything was very ephemeral. It all disappeared. And now it's all available forever. Yeah. Noted fan and fanzine fan James Bacon has arrived. Oh, another, another, Hello, another, another ex World God Chair. Hello, James. Welcome to Oxford. And fanzine editor and Hugo Award finalist. Thanks, John. Thanks, Alison. And how are you, Perry? Great Good. to see you here at the Worldcon in Chicago. Indeed. We're doing a load of Vox Pops that we're going to edit into a podcast later. That's fantastic. <laughs> and and James has a medal. This says Tricon 8 Committee. That's right, because I'm on the committee here, unfortunately, for my, for, my, for my sins. I volunteered. I have not yet learned not to volunteer. <laughs> you would, no, 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 you would think Dublin you, you've done your You've done your time. Yeah. You've been a chair. Yeah. That's it. And I you've, mean, and you've done idiots it twice. like me come back and do it twice. Yeah, exactly. And that's it. That's why I don't do it anymore. Only, only I'm four people have done it twice. So. Vince Stockerty, Harry yes. Middlemiss. Yes. Martin Easterbrook. No. Colin Harris? Two older people. I mean, when I say older, I mean going back for Way back, yeah. El, El Koshak? No, I don't think so. Oh, Who are the other two? I can't remember, I just remember this four. There was one, guy that, did, one guy that did it twice on his own, as chair, sole chair. Nine. Uh, and I did uh, one chair on my own and one co-chair. Okay. So that's a great anecdote that would be even better if we could have said it. If you well, can round out and get the right listeners, details. Listeners, it's, it's, a, it's a hook so, for comments. It's a great question. hook so, for lots. It is. So, so James, where's your next one then? <gasps> yeah, so I would have liked to have chaired another World Con because the first one is very existential. You know, you approach it learning so much and not knowing so yeah, much. Yeah. It's quite an interesting challenge. <laughs> and you're deploying... Sorry. New skills every 10 minutes. <laughs> and uh, you're and trying to learn and understand and comprehend and, you know, reflect on your own uh, mistakes as you proceed ahead at such high speed. Yeah. And I think the second one then could be based on experience. But what Vincent Doherty has said to me is that, you know, also Don't you're experienced and therefore you sort of realize that the effort, time, and energy it takes is not insubstantial. No. And, you know, there were certain things I did to be a Worldcon chair for me. So I lost weight. I tried to be fit. I tried to make sure that my fitness levels were high. They're not sort of athletic it fitness. Hot. Okay, thanks, Alison, that's kind. Um, not, that, not that in any way this is about me. So this, I, this was about me becoming fit because obviously I had known some people previously who were unwell, and my own father had his first heart attack when he was 38. Mm. Yeah. So bearing in mind that I was past that threshold, and I was approaching the age where he had a quadruple bypass, fitness was important to me, which is mad. But when you're working on a world con for maybe 16 hours in a day, yeah, you need that sort of energy. Well, it's good to have that extra bit in the back pocket, and I was in charge of that. So it was good times, 
but hard work. Would I do it again? Yes, I would love to. This week, no. That's fair. I mean, that is reasonable. See, I told you, you do a World Cup, become a World Cup chair, send you mad. So mad that you think you could actually approach another one. That's how mad you become. It, it does That's remind fair. me of the way people talk about shoulders, actually. Probably right. So, but there is Dublin 2029 bit. Yes, so you must really, be very excited about it. Oh, super excited. I think that's one of the greatest things about being a Worldcon chair. It's not that, you know, the Worldcon was a good time. You know, we got a few things wrong. We got thousands of things right. You know, it's the way it works. But I hope that the team who were very full of enthusiasm and who really enjoyed running the Worldcon go on now and I can maybe give them a couple of pointers at least tell them not to try to make the mistakes I made and watch them go on and succeed in 29. And Brian Nesbitt and Marguerite Smith are running that at the moment. And basically, it's early days. It's a long way away. But they're following the similar path that 2019 had. So they're, they've obviously got a timeline in mind. And I'm really enjoying watching on and not really doing too much. Yeah, and it's um, great for everyone in Europe to have more European world comms. Like, I think it's really good to have kind of Ireland and, 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 and Finland kind of joining the community of countries that can kind of, you know, run a convention maybe every decade and then you, you get that kind of much more international flavor to the convention. So I think that's amazing. I think it's really, really good. Yes, and it's really quite interesting because at SMOFCON, we, were, we did a little exercise to see 10 other venues around the world which could work, including Lisbon. And... You know, one of the venues we didn't look at was the venue that CampCon were looking at. And that was quite amazing. So the idea that there could be a Ugandan Worldcon, yeah. which in its own right will face challenges. You know, they, they will have their own challenges to deal with. But the idea of it, the concept of an African Worldcon is very exciting. And as we know now, we have a number of uh, bids hopefully coming from the continent, which is vast. It's a huge place. Like Ireland is the same size as Maine. Let alone, you know, so, you know, it's a wonderful potential there. So, yeah, I think that's great. And I, I look forward, actually, to watching, helping a little bit and watching on with Glasgow. Because <laughs> watching nice. people develop and, yeah, it's really fun. And then Brisbane is bidding for 2028, Perry. Right? Uh, I believe so, yes, that's correct. And you're not chairing for a third time. I you're not am... going to be becoming the third, the, I... the first person to bid to do I three. I am absolutely not chairing. I would not have a life, nor would I have a, a, a marriage left, I think, if uh, I decided to go down that path. So, nope. That's I've done. I've done my dash, I think. Time for uh, other people to step up. Plus, I'll be in my 70s then, so two or two or it's, uh, it's one of those things that um, it's not necessarily a really young person's game, but you've got to be, as James was saying, you've got to be in that period where you're not only physically but pretty mentally fit as well. You start getting up in your 70s and now you're starting to fade and, you know... You're, it's a midlife game. Yeah, it is. Well, you need, you need the experience and managerial experience with people and projects to be able to do it. So you need enough level of that. Yeah, yeah. But you don't want to go so far that you're so stuck in the mud you don't want to change. And that's where things my, move over. My aim is to go from being too young to chair a WorldCom to too old to chairing a WorldCom without ever going through the middle bit. That's, uh, a, that's an interesting. <laughs> I, think, uh, I, I think it's an excellent choice. To be Am I allowed to say "damn you"? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much to Harry and James. Two chairs talking.
Hello again, everyone. It's John back in England again with his good mic and the lack of audio artifacts. I hope you enjoyed that short taste of Tricon 8 and I will see you next week for the next episode of Octothorpe. But until then, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from everyone else who talked to us in this episode. Stephen has very kindly brought coffee, for which I'm very grateful. Thank you, Stephen. He'll hear this uh, later when it goes out. Because we didn't say thank you when he actually brought the coffees, because we were brought up badly. <laughs> Sorry, Mum and Dad. You well, raised I, me better I, than I this. I kind of nodded at him, which is, you know... Surely being married to you is thanks enough. Like, I feel like I should have said thank you, but... You can probably imply. I, I looked at him a, a in a smouldering way. Look. A smouldering. I was horny. Look. Alison is. Oh. Yeah, for, for listeners who are wondering radio. about the chronology of these recordings, Alison is still horny. She was up going all bison on him. Yup. Yep. Indeed. The theme music for this episode was Fanfare for Space by Kevin MacLeod in Competech.com, used under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. This podcast will end at the beep. Beep.